Hello, I'm Sarah Beth Basick. And I am Clarissa Tebow. And this is Abandonment, Abandonment issues. issues. Being too early onset orphans, we quickly realized how little grief is talked about in society. And the need, especially now, to normalize that grief. With the holidays coming up, it can be a hard time to express your loss. We want to talk about it. We see you. And the complicated feelings that can encompass the holiday season. This week, we've decided to forego a guest and talk a bit about what we love, hate, and reminisce about during this time. Grab some cocoa. And let's get cozy with our feelings. Grab your sides, grab your tissues. We're here to laugh and cry. And talk about abandonment issues. I am Sarah Beth Basick. And I am Clarissa Tebow. And this is... Abandonment Issues! We did it. We made it here. Ah, oh, Clarissa, it is so nice to hear your face. You know, it's a podcast. You can't actually see each other. <laughs> I love to hear your face, too. I love hearing your faces. I hope that uh, all of your faces out there are doing all right as well. Yes, that you are handling this very irregular holiday season <laughs> with a plum. Something. It sounds like uh, sugar plum fairies. Oh, yeah, sugar a plum. A plum, which is not plum at all. I was but... going to say like grace. And yeah. elegance. And I was like, actually, if you mess, that's fine, too. Don't I was going to say, if that serves you, great. If you're all over the place, also fine. Short of self-harm, you're doing all right. Yes, please don't do that. And if you're in that space, please call for help. Yeah. And I don't mean that in a funny way. No, nope, I mean that in a real way, because it is one of those years where I'm sure we'll get the statistics later. But hopefully, yeah, hopefully people have outlets and resources for themselves. Absolutely. Because it is an isolating time, I'll tell you what. It is definitely an isolating time. So last time it was just Clarissa and myself in an episode. It was the week of Thanksgiving. It is now the week of Christmas. We are here in your ears again. We're in your ear. You know, soloing it out just to give you guys a little bit of a little brain worm. Yeah, exactly. And uh, Clarissa, tell the folks what we're going to do. So you know what time it is, folks. You've heard <laughs> of the 12 days of Christmas. Well, we decided to make the 12 days of grief we really we're going to go through from day one, to day 12, and get through what we believe is happening this holiday season. Yeah, just some of the little little trips, the little triggers, the little things that just happen, even the good stuff. So yeah, we're going to work our way through these 12 days of grief-mess. I keep saying grease-mess. You know, we ain't working under a car. <laughs> no grease. Gr- grief-mess. Grief-mess. 12 days of grief-mess. On the first day of grief-mess, my bereavement gave to me. On the first day of grief miss my briefing gave to me an empty chair at the holiday table (laughs) empty chair at the holiday table it makes me just think of you know like a christmas carol like the ghosts of christmas (laughs) past present and future just this empty cold chair yeah but he learned something right from christmas carol like he yeah he his heart grew three sizes bigger or something right no that was the (laughs) grand Same person. (laughs) Same person. You're right. Again, as we spoke about in other episodes, everything is an allegory. Everything's a story based on another story. Yeah. If the Grinch isn't Scrooge, then I don't know 
where we live. It's the same damn person. They are very parallel stories. Yeah. I feel like this has been talked a lot about in terms of COVID as well this year. Like I heard, I feel like we yeah. heard it a lot during the presidential campaign even, like in President-elect Biden saying, you know, this thing has happened and there are a lot of empty chairs at tables. But it also reminds me of Les Mis. Empty chairs at empty tables. Is it horrible <laughs> that I've never listened to the music or seen that? No. And I know I should have by now because no. it's my career, but I have, I still have yet to see Les Mis in any form. So I believe you. I mean- but no idea what you're talking about. To be fair, there's lots of big movies, which I'm not going to list because I know you're all going to come at me <laughs> that I have not seen. But, you know, so it, sometimes it happens. But I do feel like it's one of those things where I know that we've already spoken about not necessarily remembering the first Christmas. Yeah. And it was funny. After we talked about that, my brother listened to the podcast and we truly had a discussion about that Christmas. And I couldn't, we couldn't quite discern if what I was talking about in that episode was actually the first Christmas or if it was the second one. It just was the first time that we had a full family Christmas. Oh. We kind of couldn't place it and he remembers that we went to my aunt's but I feel like it all melded together for me and for him a little bit too that it was like, yeah, the specificity of that is, it's a little bit fuzzy. Foggy. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's your brain protecting itself, you know? Like, I think there's a lot of people who go through varying types of trauma, whatever that may be and they're- brain's like uh we don't want to think about that we don't want to have that at the forefront of your mind because you ain't going to survive it yeah so we just push it back (laughs) exactly cannot engage like not gonna do it but one of the things that i do remember about my mom being gone at christmas again there's a lot of tradition and different things but part of it was even during the holidays the way that we set up for christmas time is that each family takes like because again we all smoosh into a house together but each family takes like a night to make the meal. So like we have a traditional quote unquote basic meal. We always make my dad's flank steak and we make my mom's bok choy salad, saute some mushrooms and like it's just a whole thing and pasta salad which was my originally my grandma's recipe. My aunties like made my aunties my aunties? My aunties made a yeah right both one and the same made a cookbook years ago which was such a great gift for Christmas and it has pictures of us and everything and all the family recipes because again this is something we make every year at Christmas and at family vacation when we're all together. Mm. But because we've been doing it for so long, there's kind of like, you know what you're doing. Meaning like, I know that I saute the mushrooms. Like my mom always made the pasta salad. My brother did the steaks. Like these things. And suddenly it was like, oh shit. Like this is that empty chair, that empty like space that it's like, oh, now I I do your part too. But who does that? And yeah, like who does the pasta salad now? Yeah. And my brother is such like a, it's really disorienting. Yeah. My brother is such a like beautiful caretaker. And I know he loves cooking as do I but like my brother really he just likes doing it but there's quite often when now I feel like I'm very minimally involved in making the meal at all Mm. because it's like one of my aunties will step in and help and it's not a big deal there's no like oh Sarah's not doing anything this means I usually have to do the dishes instead and I'm like that's not the part I want to do yeah I want to put the cheese on something but it is strange to look over and not see them at the table yeah what about you do you have like yeah so I don't know if it's necessarily the holiday table but because my mom after she was diagnosed with breast cancer Mm -hmm. like her and i moved in with my aunt my uncle and my two younger cousins so then we were a household of six 
Yeah. So we couldn't sit at the normal table that later on we usually sat at to eat in the kitchen. We had to sit at the proper dining room table because there just wasn't mm-hmm. enough room for everybody. And I do remember because we all had our spots, right? Oh, yeah. Like everybody had their spot to sit at that table. And I do know that like the next time I sat at that table and I think maybe it was the holidays or something like we had just stopped sitting at the table after she passed because mm. we could then all fit around the smaller kitchen table. Yeah, but also it's hard. Yeah, but I remember the first time sitting back at that table and looking at the chair that was my mother's chair you know like that's where we all sat in the same places every time and that was weird I remember thinking it was really strange like seeing the table and knowing that like she wasn't gonna sit in that chair it almost felt like well is everything up for grabs now like could I go sit at the head of the table now (laughs) like is it just totally thrown out now or do we just pretend like that 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 empty space is not there like I remember thinking that as a kid should we just throw out all of the previously made not pathways but like the what's the word like previously laid out foundation of like yeah I knew I sat in this chair Laurel sat in this chair Evan sat in that chair like we had our spots we need like an upset in the rotation like we need to like everybody needs a new space Yeah, yeah. Like, should we just redo it? Or do we pretend like things have not just been completely thrown on their heads? Mm. So I do remember that specifically. And like, now, you know, I'm older, whatever. I don't see that chair in that way. But I do remember for a while when we would sit at that table and it'd only be for like holidays, you know, something special. Yeah. Being a little weirded out by that chair being empty. Yeah. And I think that it's it's a really common thing. Like, I think if you still had those feelings, it would be totally yeah. understandable. Yeah. I think there's a lot of people that don't even change like the person's bedroom for a while. Oh, yeah. That, I mean, I don't mean this in like a condescending way or accusatory way. But for me and my grieving process, that freaks me out like that would freak me out so much to walk into the room and it was the same way yeah my mom and i shared a room in my aunt's house okay and then when she died i slept on the floor in my little cousin's room for like i don't even know how long it was six months Mm -hmm. a year i don't know i slept on the floor on a futon i like could not go up there and sleep by myself yeah and then we redecorated the whole room painted it completely changed it so it was my room and then i could stay in there but before we did that, I like did not feel comfortable in that room by myself. It freaked me out. Like I couldn't be in there because it was just, it was like paused in time. Mm-hmm. So that kind of thing. I know people do that. Yeah. But I don't think absolutely. I'm that type of person. Like I don't think even if, you know, I lost someone, would I ever be able to keep it the same? Like I'd have to change it. It just makes, it creeps me out for some reason. I remember being very thankful that my mom's friend said, if you're going to keep the house that was hers, yes, you all live there, but you haven't lived there in many years. It's her house. And everything is where she put it she was like same thing like redecorate reorient how the the furniture is like move things around because she's like yeah don't make it like a museum to her like no one can ever change anything or touch anything or any of that stuff because it will just be too hard and even being back and forth like I didn't stay there a lot when I would go home I would stay with my brother meaning after she passed not when she was still alive and when I would go not a lot had changed because we hadn't been there or if we had we just cleaned up so yeah i think it makes total sense and i'm glad that you were able to kind of like create those new neural pathways for yourself of like okay now this is my room and that's okay and so it's just an interesting thing yeah all right so we move on to the second day yeah day two on the second day of grief miss my bereavement gave to me two heartbreaking phone calls oh 
<laughs> yeah. I was thinking of this. I feel like you told me a story about some phone call. Well, you, I mean, I think you talked about it on the last one, right? I did. Phone calls are kind of a big thing in there. But I think the two that were two heartbreaking phone calls in my brain is the call when my brother called me to tell me about my mom. Mm. And I also distinctly remember the last call about my father. So those two, my father, my brother was supposed to go play golf with him that day and he wasn't answering his phone and it was the first day of school vacation a summer vacation yeah. and so my mom had come up to my room i was still sleeping and she said i can't get hold of your father like i'm worried about it and i'm like i don't like what are you talking about it's probably fine he's probably just doing something like adam's supposed to play golf with him and i felt so bad about this later um my brother basically was like look i'll just go out there and i'll stop by there before i go to the golf course and see what he's doing you know and right. like make sure everything's all right and unfortunately my my brother is the one who found my father passed yeah and we got the phone call and my mom was obviously upset and she was like we have to get out there and i as much as i don't remember a lot about that first year even like I remember that day so distinctly that I had a friend that lived out by the golf course by the lake by where my dad was and I was like can you get over there like something's wrong with my dad and my brother's there and um, we're headed out there as fast as we can but there was like construction and we couldn't get there and mm. like it took longer and I remember thinking during that drive because I saw my mom's face I was like oh this is not good and I knew she was yeah. concerned but she was holding it together but as we drove up you could see the ambulance was still there and my brain instantly was like, either he's okay and it's not that big of a deal or he's actually dead. Right. And I remember the look on her face during that phone call. And it turns out that that was a phone call where, unfortunately, it was my brother being very upset and like, I found dad and he's... And like, I would later find out that a lot of... I was sheltered from a lot of it. Like, he was still in the room when I walked in and they stood in front of it so I never saw anything. Like, right. it's a very interesting thing to try and recount. And my best friend Dan from growing up was there for my brother and like, my mom kind of just like passed me off to him and was like, hey, go... like." Can you take care of Sarah and like I remember so many of those things and he was just he was a very good friend to me at that time and I mean he has been over the course of my life but especially in terms of that like even that night inviting me out to the dock to like go sit and like just not he's like we don't have to talk about it you can just go swimming in the yeah. lake or just my mom was like yes please go and then the other one was when my brother had to call me and tell me about my mom. And he was like, hey, sweetheart. And it's not that my brother doesn't use that with me, but it's usually like he's trying to be gentle about something. Right. And I'm like, hey, what's going on? And he's like, is Ashley home? Because I was living with my best friend at the time. And he ended up, I had had a weird feeling all morning. And he called me and said, you know, no, I'm actually call calling to tell you um, that mom passed away. And I literally feel so bad because I yelled into the phone. Don't say things. We don't joke about things like that. That's not funny. And he was like, honey, I'm not. I'm not joking. I would never. Mom passed away. And I, like, just hit the floor. I fell. <sighs> and I... I think about that now, like, my poor brother already having to deal with, like, right. <laughs> that that thing and then having to call me. But, like, so there's the parent phone calls are, like, the one. And the other one was having to call my mom's grandfather or my grandfather, my mom's dad, yeah. and tell him that his daughter had passed. And that <sighs> was the hardest phone call I've ever had to make. So when I think about that in terms of my brother having to call me, like, ooh, it was it was so tough. But my grandfather was such a smart man and such a compassionate man. And he got very silent. And he just said, well, there's not much to say about that, is there? Oh. And I was like, 
it it was weirdly Clarissa so relieving as well because it it made it so I didn't have to find the words to comfort him in a moment right. when I had no comfort either. Right. When right. I didn't know how we were going to proceed or what we were going to do or what was happening and he basically was like he's like you travel safe home and we will see you soon. Right. And that like was it like he it, it feels strange to say he made it easier on me. But he right. did that it was just like this was such a great grief and such a great tragedy that he didn't thankfully put the onus on me to be like this is what happened play by play you know like that kind of thing truly just when you're young there's no roadmap and i think when you've had a few more years yeah and have lost a few more people you learn that you know like what he did for you was actually like all you needed in that moment was just like i hear you i'll see you soon yeah and let it be that yeah and what a remarkable piece of grace to have been offered in that moment yeah. So those are my two phone oh, calls. Did so you have to make any difficult phone calls during that? I mean, you were so young. You know, I was so young. And I feel like I keep saying that on this podcast. Like, I was so young. I was so young. But it's true. Like, yeah. I was too young to do anything like that. So yeah. I don't know if I really had... I don't know if I was talking... You know, I think it was one of those things where there were adults around to let everybody else know, to let the yeah. schools know. I know there were a lot of phone calls made on my behalf. A lot that I probably don't even know about. I do remember, and it's only heartbreaking, like, in retrospect. Like, at the time, it wasn't heartbreaking. Okay. It was when my dad was dying. Strangely enough, I had already set up that I was going to do the sleepover at um, my old daycare lady, Diane Howe. She's a lovely woman. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know what happened to her. She was always really kind to me, but I think because... So much bad shit happened during Mm. that time that I, I saw her later on when I was like in high school. And I remember just feeling like I couldn't, I couldn't go backward. Yeah. If that makes sense. Like I can't engage with you. Yeah. Like it just felt really strange to engage with her. It scared me. I mean, it's so much sense memory, of course. course. Yeah, exactly. And also like, I think she took care of a lot of kids and she really cared about the kids she took care of. Mm. So for me too, it was like, I don't know if I went back to her house after my dad passed. Like, I think I might've just like, my mom just would pick me up from school, you know, like she wouldn't let me go to the daycare. So I don't know if I saw her much after that. Like, I don't remember. Okay. But anyway, I had decided to do this sleepover thing at her house with a couple other kids who were in the daycare, like a sleepover at my daycare lady's house. And my mom called her house and I was talking to my mom and she was like, I'm at the hospital. At this point, she had already been diagnosed with cancer. Mm -hmm. So I remember being really worried. I was like, what's happening? Like, is there something wrong with your cancer? Like, is it bad? Like, why are you at the hospital? Like, are you just, why are you calling me? Yeah. Like, you wouldn't, like, I don't think she ever called like she just come get me when it was time and so she called me and she said oh no no i'm fine i'm just getting you know a round of chemo or something but i'm tired so i'm not gonna be able to pick you up you're gonna spend an extra night like i was only supposed to be there one night and i ended up spending two nights there Mm. and i remember thinking that was weird but also i was kind of like well i know that the chemo makes her really tired right you know as a kid like i just knew that the chemo wiped her out so i was like okay, if it's easier if I'm here so that she can get a day off, okay. You know, I was 11. So I was like, okay, like, I'll stay. It's fine. But now looking back, I'm like, my dad was dying. Yeah. When she called me, he was dying. He was in the hospital. He was dying. And like my my older brother and older sister, who are like 20 years older than me from my dad's first marriage, Mm -hmm. had driven up from the Bay Area. My dad's brothers had driven it. You know, it was like... Mm. 
like the family was in dealing with this, like his last hours. Yeah. And I was definitely sheltered from that because what was I going to do? You know, like. Yeah, of course. But still, that's a, it's an interesting phone call to recall. Yeah. I remember it. I remember that call because I'm sure the next day I got like, I didn't have to go to school that day. Right. And I was like, oh, that's weird. But then I saw like my older sister was with my mom and I was like, oh, the family's here. Like, I wonder why the family's here. And I was like, oh, okay, Mm -hmm. whatever. Everybody came to visit. Yeah. You know, not no, I was a kid. I didn't know. And my daycare lady too, she had given me all these like sweatpants and like like old jewelry and stuff she was like giving me all this stuff and i was like this is so cool like <laughs> look at all this old jewelry look at these sweatpants like this is great <laughs> like, I'm and swag at this sleepover what's happening yeah i was like getting all these gifts and i was like this is so strange like she never gives us stuff <laughs> it was a good distraction i guess yeah and then so then i went home and i was like oh the family's here it's so strange and it was like nobody would say anything to me mm. like it was weirdly like quiet right like everyone was kind of no one was having a good time yeah and you're like and my we're not usually quiet people like my family is like, usually we're like we're loud pretty... ass <laughs> loud ass people like there was no music on like maybe the news was on. you know like, everyone's just sitting around yeah. and i was like look at this jewelry look at this sweatpants look at this look what i got <laughs> that. and then like finally i went because my dad had been sick for two weeks with, mm. quote unquote, the flu. Right. Cirrhosis of the liver. Mm-hmm. So I knew he was sick. So I went back into the back room, like the bedroom, and I came out and I was like, where's dad? He's He should be in bed. He's sick. And then it was like, everybody's faces went like Oof. so serious and they sat me down and I threw up and screamed. And... Mm, yeah, of course. It was bad. Indeed. So we got to find ones that are a little bit more fun because this is getting heavy. This is, I mean, grief is heavy, man. <laughs> grief is heavy as hell. Well, we do have, <laughs> I'm not sure number three is better. I think number three is kind of funny. <laughs> okay, great. On the third day of grief, Miss My Bravement gave to me. Three friends who couldn't handle grief. (laughs) Oh, there's more than three. Yeah, I mean, three was a low number to put it in this list. But tell me what you feel, girl. Yeah. I mean, it's happened over... I've been an orphan for so long now Mm -hmm. that I don't even know anymore. Like, (laughs) a lot of the times I'll think I've already brought it up. Yeah. Especially if I'm close with somebody. Like, I'll think I have brought it up or it had come up at some point. And then I realize, oh, it hasn't come up. I haven't told you. Like, my parents are dead. And some friends are like, let me take you in. Oh, my God. Like, coming out with my mom. Like whatever yeah and then some friends are like you'll be fine and then we kind of just stop talking <laughs> you'll be fine you know Thank like you? just kind of just so uncomfortable like super super <laughs> uncomfortable especially when i was in high school yeah it would happen more in high school we're like you know what we're 15 yeah the kids are like i don't know what to say to you yeah no idea <laughs> so definitely quite a few Got better as I got a little bit older, but even recently, I like a couple years ago, I saw an old friend from high school. Mm-hmm. Maybe he had forgotten or something, but I told him about it, and he was like immediately. Ew. <laughs> Ew. He like pulled his collar. <laughs> yeah, like, well, do you want to go for a drink? <laughs> sure, dude. Yeah, fine. I mean, to be fair, he shouldn't have been asking you to have a drink when you were twelve. So at least his timing was better. It was better. <laughs> I guess. Hello. <laughs> what about you? Any any standout yeah. non-grief friends? Yeah. I mean, yes and no. So even that same best friend who I was growing up with, like, he was so good to me. Like, the first year after my mom passed, so when I was older and lived away, like, 
he was the friend that called me or texted me every single day. Oh, so nice. Yeah. Or at like at most it was a couple days between it. Dan? However, when I. Yeah, Dan. But when I had been in high school and lost my father. Good on you, Dan. Good on you, Dan. You're, you, you're a good Sorry. man, Dan. I'll stop interrupting you. No, you, you know, interrupt all you want. I will cut around it. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and um, no, girl, say it. Say your, say your piece. And he, um, I lost my dad my junior year of high school, so I still had one year left. That's not true. My sophomore year of high school at the end of it, and so I had two years left, whatever it was. And we went to college at the same place. And Dan, like when we got there. Like, I still was dealing with it. It was only two years later. And, like, yeah. And then, like, going off to college and, like, having that and, like, my thinking about my mom being by herself, and even though she was so independent and so fine. Like, she didn't need me worrying about her. Right. And he would later admit to me that he's like, yeah, like, I couldn't handle, like, I just wanted to have a good time at college. And I, like, he felt bad and would, like was upset later and has apologized to me many times, but that he kind of like ditched me, even though we went to the same college, like we saw each other once in a while, but like he just like kind of went off and did his own thing because he's just like, was like, I just want to have a good time and whatever. And there was more nuance to it than that. And he is still someone I love very dearly. Yeah. He's 18, 19 year old going to college. I'm sorry. Like, yeah, I can forgive you this. It's fine. I get why he feels guilt, but also like... Yeah. And for a long time, like, it did make me think that I couldn't talk about it, though, because I knew Mm. that was why, even though he hadn't said it to me yet. Right. Once we actually talked about it, it shifted, but it still has affected even my current relationships. So, like, I'm now to a place where I've moved past it, but for a long time, I was like, oh, I can't, I can't talk to people about this, or I can't be too sad, or I can't be outwardly anything, because people will just leave. And then I had another friend here who was becoming a really dear friend of mine, and after my mom passed she was like let's go to lunch and we'll talk and whatever and I still don't fully understand what happened but I ended up saying something to her about I feel like I have guilt sometimes because if it if it wasn't for the loss like we've talked about this a lot that it shifts how you think and like what risk you're willing to take and how you're moving through this life but even at the time like there was some life insurance there was some inheritance there were these things that it was like I don't know that I would still be in LA if it wasn't for those things because I don't know if I could survive or whatever and I have guilt about this thing like for a long time I called it blood money and my dear friend John was like please stop saying that's not what it is that's, that's not bad. i know I was like, also i got my car on blood money yeah right <laughs> exactly is that and horrible like, but it no, is but it is and it's like again i've now done enough therapy to be like wow you are being really cruel to yourself to like yeah almost like if you suffer then you should continue to suffer there should be nothing and, and i don't even think it's positive necessarily but like no, but there can be ease. Inheritance. You're allowed to have ease. Well, your parents may like, have helped you with that car anyway, right? Right. And and it's also kind of like, yeah, if your parents die early or late, you will inherit what they have. Yeah. So just because it's happening a little earlier and most of your friends have not lost their parents and are not getting an inheritance or whatever, yeah. doesn't mean that yours means less than when they get theirs when they're 50. Yeah, of course. And I don't even know if that's I don't know what it was. But basically, I was just saying I feel guilty about these things and like that I have space and time to make my art in a certain way because I am fortunate enough to have had this experience of having life insurance or like having stuff like that, not having lost a parent. Like, obviously, I'd rather be on the other side of it. It's complicated. It is. But she started crying and was like, I just want to go. I just want you to take me home. And I took her home. And then she just didn't talk to me anymore. And I ran into her. 
in an audition years later and she apologized and was like, I was just having a time and like I was trying to like, I just needed to not have certain energy in my life or something like that, which I was like, and I love this woman. I I care about her deeply and I wish her nothing but greatness because I think she's a fantastic human being. But I was like, you're apologizing as I'm walking into an audition? Yeah. Which consequently she booked the role and I did not. Um, <laughs> but I was like, I and again, like she her. just hadn't seen me. Kidding. Yeah, you can like her. She's lovely. And I would even be friends with this person again. But it's still such a weird thing in my brain that I was like, again, it starts to form this little feedback loop of like, okay, you don't say these things to people. Right, right. Or there's like, again, only to people who truly get it like you. Yeah. Right. Because like I've had those experiences or like we've talked about on other podcasts, like where someone was like, you maybe just need to get over it. Like, it's interesting that because I am such an open person, like people have their feelings about me a lot. Mm. I, I'm glad they feel free enough to just say what they need or do what they need. Right. Like, that's good. But it is it is interesting because it's definitely like, it's definitely put a little ding in my armor. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I totally relate to that. I think I've definitely, I find myself doing this all the time, right? Tiptoe around it. I tiptoe mm. around my my big bombs in my past, I guess. Like, you know, like these these craters in my past, I guess. Mm -hmm. Until I feel like either I don't give a fuck, you know, (laughs) like which sometimes is how it is where I'm like, you could leave. Like, I don't care. Yep. And it's not even, it it could just be the way I'm feeling uh, that time in my life. Like I had a few years where I was like, I do not care. Take me now or don't take me at all. I don't need you. (laughs) I don't need anybody. I don't need nothing. Yeah. Um, but most of the time, it's more, you know, you meet people, somebody you get along with, you're like, oh, maybe we could be friends. And it's like, well, let's see if them be vulnerable with me first about yes. something. And then maybe if I can see that, like, they are, I don't know, it, it really depends. Like, yeah. there are some people, though, where it never gets to the point where I feel like it will be an okay conversation to have, to be that candid. There's been right. quite a few times where I've almost told somebody about certain things and then just keep a little mum. Just kind of, what a funny. Choice I actually don't think you're ready for this yet. <laughs> yeah. Also, it's like maturity wise, which is kind of not to say that I'm more mature, but I think if you haven't been through it, like the actual experience, you do have to have a certain level of maturity to be able to talk on the subject in a way that's not going to like not say something that's going to make me feel like even worse or make me lash out. Yeah. Or like I have to take care of you now. Like I'm so concerned. Like I'm so paying attention to you that actually this conversation isn't isn't really serving me. Like me being able to share it actually just feels like work. It doesn't feel like actually getting any help. Please tell me about this look on your face. So there is this one time, right? I, I had just been diagnosed with my illness mm-hmm. and it was my birthday all my family had come well like my, my cousins my younger cousins that are like my siblings and then my best friends from high school and a few of my best friends in LA we all went out right uh-huh. I couldn't drink anymore but I was like at the bar like I think at the time my little sister was like there was this guy named Coco who was really into her and we were all like how do we stop this from happening I was sitting his name mm, I mean I don't know who he is Coco <laughs> okay listen but so I'm at the bar, right? And I'm waiting to get a drink of water. I'm just drinking water because we're dancing and stuff. So I'm like, okay, let me get some water. And this guy comes up to me, very cute, right? Starts like, oh, like, we're together, blah, 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 like talking to me, flirtatious. Like, it was actually kind of nice. Like, it was it was all in good fun. But then it got to the point where he was like, yeah, like, when are we going to hang out, blah, blah, blah. Like, we're pl- playing this game, essentially, at the bar. And I was at this space where I was like, I don't want to waste my time. 
So it was almost like this 180 switch. And I scared the shit out of this dude. Because I was like, who who are you? Like, what do you want? Who are you? <laughs> and he was like, what? And he, I was like, what do you like to do? Like, tell me who you are. And he's like, oh, I like to take walks on the beach. And like, I like <laughs> to do these things. And I was like, bullshit. <laughs> bullshit. He's like, what? I was, I was in this mode in my life where I was like, I can't take any lies. Yeah. Like, you like to take walks on the beach? Come on. I'm asking you who you are. Yeah. Not asking you for a line from a romance novel. Yeah, no shit. Then just kind of unloaded on him. Like, not like in a, not like in a, uh, like accusatory way, but I was like, this happened to me. Then this happened to me. And then this happened to me. And then this happened to me. These are my problems. This is, this is, you know, like. Time for bullshit. (laughs) No time for bullshit. Going through all that stuff. And I was like, so I'm not asking you about walks on the beach. I'm asking you about who the hell you are. And he was like, I'm so sorry. And like ran out of the bar. <laughs> I scared him. And I was just in a really bad place. So if I don't know. I don't even remember his name. Dude like, who lives on the west side. Just so you know, I, some people can't handle grief. And apparently you were it. But I'm sorry that I presented it in that way. And it only happened that one time. And it was just that day where I was like, I don't think I can deal with bullshit from dudes anymore. <laughs> Like, I don't think I can entertain it. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's absolutely fair. Okay, number four. On the fourth, fourth day of grief, Miss My Bereavement gave to me four songs that made me sob. Okay, I have one for this. Okay, please. I found it in college, I think. So, Jem, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. she has this song called You Will Make It. <laughs> It's about grief. Yeah. It's gotta be. But crazy story. Okay, so the song, it really resonated with me because it, it is about grief. It's like hearts beat fast, something. I don't know. It's, it's like the way the lyrics are. You will make it. You will make it through. He would want you to. And then the next time it goes around, it says she would want you to. My dad died first. Aww. And my mom died second. And every time I listen to that song, I started sobbing. Crazy enough, on Facebook, uh-huh. back when Facebook was like the only social media, I messaged Jem. <laughs> Saying how you will make it through was like, or you will make it, however the song is. I was like, that song, like, I lost my dad and then I lost my mom. And the way the song's written, it feels like it was just for me. And I just want to say thank you for writing the song. I don't know who it was for, but, like, it feels like it's for me. And she wrote back. She was like, oh, so much love to you, Clarissa. Like, so heartwarming to hear that my music is reaching people. And I was like, ah! (laughs) (laughs) So cool. You're like, I love it. And also, it always makes me cry. Yeah. That's amazing. I love that story. It always makes me cry. Mine, I'm going to give away uh, something about myself. I know that we've talked about Barry Manilow before on this show. Mm -hmm. Barry. There is a song by Barry Manilow entitled I Am Your Child. I actually heard it first when my mom was still alive and I think my dad too, but it was like on Murphy Brown, the old TV show. And like Murphy Brown had like had a baby and she was so upset that her kid only seemed to stop crying when Barry Manilow was playing and she like did not like Barry Manilow. But when you listen to the song, it's like, I am your child, whatever I am, you taught me to be like, I am your child, I am your chance. And Mm. I was like, (laughs) it's the song that I use in my headphones if I ever have to cry on set, like for a a shoot that I'm just like, let me just get into this like sad (laughs) grief space. (laughs) I'm like, I am your chance. You don't have any more chances. Like you're not here anymore. And I will just, I I can't even, like, make it past, like, the probably the first whole verse before I'm just, like, sobbing. Okay, okay, I'm ready. Yeah. Okay. That's how that gem song is for me. Yes. If I just, like, listen to it, tune out everything else and listen to it, I'm like, 
<laughs> I just... <laughs> They want me to make it through. They want me to get through. This. I actually have another song too that I uh, first heard is on Beyonce's first solo album. There's the song at the very end that's like, I want my man or something like to be like my daddy, which sounds really weird when I say it out loud. But the song is like a tribute to her father. Yeah, but I mean, I don't think it's weird. Like it sounds a little weird out of context. It does, except for like, I think it's a common thing, right? That like you, oh, people yeah. tend to date people that are like their parents yeah that's true but yeah i remember because that song too on the album was a secret song like it's not on the back of the plastic case that it came in so i remember listening to this cd on my cd rom thing with my headphones when i was like 14 and this song came on that i didn't even know was on the album and it was all about your father and how like you love your dad and all this stuff and i remembered like sobbing and being like, was this a mistake? Was this like divine intervention that I got this <laughs> song on the CD? You know, like I, because it wasn't on the the back of the thing. Yeah. And at this time, it wasn't like people were Googling shit all the time. So I was kind of like, I wonder if this was supposed to be on here or if somehow it was meant for me to listen to. I love that. Like I remember thinking that for that song. I'm going to have to go back and listen. I don't know if I know the song. Yeah, it's Beyonce's first album okay. and it's the very last song on the album. Okay. And I think it's called like, my daddy or something like that nice i um i'm trying to think of like i mean i feel like there's a lot of for me just because i sing i'm a singer as well and there's just a lot around like singing any song within the first like year like i had to go back to i had a voice teacher that i went back to because i was like i don't know how to open my mouth and sing without like it it's so connected to my emotions that i don't i actually just can't sing anything without sobbing right it's like when i'm so open and so vulnerable is when i'm singing right it's such a connection yeah And that's fair, but like, I I truly like, I just, I would open my mouth and I'm like, like, I remember the first class and it was like a small group of people and then we did like a showcase and stuff. So I was having individual lessons, but I took this class with her and she's like, part of it is standing in front of people and like pushing through as you're having these emotions of figuring out like how to still have them because we don't want to get rid of them. Like that's gold and it's, it's meant to be out in the world, but how do we instead hone them? How do we, it's same as in standard acting when you're not like singing, right? Like, I mean, even in life though, you know, like I think we're also taught to like pull yourself together, right? You know, that phrase. And it is one of those things with grief where sometimes in it, you're like, I just want to stop feeling. Yes. It seems like it would be easier if I could just stop feeling this much all the time like they're just too many damn emotions yeah that are wreaking havoc on my body and on my brain mm. and on my soul and the reality is no you don't want to lose those it's a fine balance right like yeah. of where it doesn't and it eventually right like it doesn't completely consume everything but also that you can still feel because that's part of the beauty of it too like being able to feel when things are good and when things are bad yeah yeah i agree i will say also at the holidays the song i'll be home for christmas which i think again is going to have an effect for everyone this year who's actually listening to the advice of health officials like please just stay put and don't see people from other households i know but i'll be home for christmas it's the line when he's like if only in my dreams i'm like (laughs) (laughs) and i I had a wild dream about my dad last night and my mom and dawn french where she like showed up and 
brought me like this half of an ice cream cake, but it was two different colors, like two different kinds of ice cream. And she wanted me to like make it into a fancy, like blocked out, like checker cake with the two different ice creams. Your mother like, wanted a, you to do this? No, Dawn French did. Oh. <laughs> and then I like didn't feel like doing it because I was just having a sad moment. And I was like, I put my pea coat over it and it has like a pretty trim at the end. It's like what I wear in the winter. And I was yeah. like, oh shit, now it has ice cream on it. And I'm not going to be able to wear it to the Christmas parade. Then I'm supposed to go to with my dad. And then I was like, you're not going to a parade with your dad. He's dead. Like my dream was wow. wild. I was like, what is it? And then like I was in this laundry room that was like four different washers and dryers, but it was just our home and all of the like supplies were lined up in a way that there was too many supplies, but also like all lined up. And I was like, oh yeah, I am like my mom. Like, this is how I organize things. And I was like, I wonder why she put all these things here. And my brother, like, came home and and he was like, what are you talking about? Like, mom didn't put them like that. Like, I did. she's dead. And I was like, it was like such a, and yet Dawn French was also there. And, like, <laughs> there's certain ways that, like, we have a similar build. And she, like, popped out of the other my room. But, like, he just saw the back. And he was like, what the hell is happening? <laughs> this is why I don't wake up rested. Okay? This is what my brain yeah, that does. Yeah, sounds very chaotic. But I wasn't even allowed to go to the parade to hear all those Christmas songs that would make me sob. Should we move <laughs> on to number five? Let's move on to number five. On the fifth day of grief, miss, my, my bereavement gave to me five ways you judge, judge yourself for grieving. <laughs> this is getting bad. I kind of love how bad it is. It's it, it feels good that it's so bad. You have any ways that you judge yourself for grieving? Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> are you kidding? Have you met me? Again, you're like, did we put this at too low of a number? Is five up? I mean, I think it's constant judgment of yeah. grief. Constant, right? Mm -hmm. Like, especially when it comes out of nowhere, which grief does. Yes. You know, like if I looked at a picture and it makes me sad, that's a more rational way of grieving mm -hmm. where I'm like, this makes sense. This can happen. <laughs> Brain, emotions, heart, proceed. But if it's like out of nowhere where I'm like walking down the street and all of a sudden I'm like, <gasps> I just remembered this one time where my mother did this and I'm like <laughs> all off kilter. I'm like, well, this is not right. This yeah. is not the time. You were on a walk. <laughs> you didn't need to be thinking about this. Think about something else. Puppies, grandma, anything. Move on. <laughs> so I think my, my brain just like thinks that there is an appropriate way of grieving an yes. appropriate time to bring in those those thoughts feelings and memories and mm -hmm. other times where well gosh darn it you're you're working why are you thinking about your dad yeah <laughs> why why is this what's in your brain yeah i definitely have it in terms of like when i think of going home to my family mm. i have a lot of like i said i go through that process of like i'm excited and then i go through like the part of where it's like oh but they're not going to be there like it's hard and all this yeah and yet i still judge myself for all of it because i'm like you said this isn't new it's not like right. it just happened and yeah. yet it is like i know i've said this before and it maybe sounds hokey but like it's a journey of a lifetime like it's a it's a forever thing that again like ebbs and changes and like we're back and forth with all the time yeah and that we do find more helpful neural pathways with <laughs> but like overall i just i judge myself for feeling sad that i still have a family 
family to go home to because mm-hmm. that person's not there. Then I like, I judge myself. I'm like, am I not valuing my own family that is still here enough? Oh, Which yeah. I know is not the state. Yeah. No, but I hear that. I hear that. Like sometimes I feel like I also judge myself sometimes if I'm like, am I pitying myself too much? Like, should I be feeling this sad about it? Like, it happened forever ago, and I have new traditions, and I have family. Yeah. Like, I do find myself judging it where I'm like, stop feeling sorry for yourself. Yeah. Then I have to remind myself, well, you know, it's like you said, like it's a journey of a lifetime. But for me, I think about it like it's going to forever be kind of like an open wound in a weird way, where it's like I had this hole carved out of me. Yeah. And it's got scar tissue around it and it's definitely not as painful as it was initially but it's mm. not closed no i needed to have surgery i you know like i there is no surgery for this yeah there's no way to fix it there's gonna be a, a hole yeah. and it's okay now i learned how to live with a hole but yeah yeah it it's not going away no i do the same thing and i feel like i for a long time i would judge myself for crying about it mm. and again because i didn't want other people to be upset or because i was like uh like maybe I am being too indulgent. Like my best friend, Ashley, still, we like joke about it. When we we lived together for years and a couple years into it is when my mom passed away. And I used to go and sit in my car to cry. Also, we had very nosy neighbors. So I would literally get in my car, drive to a different part of the neighborhood and cry in my car. And then she was like, which she didn't require. She wasn't asking me to do that. And then like the one time I was very upset and still at home and I I put earplugs in and was just trying to go to sleep because I was like, just go to bed, wake up in a new day. It'll be different better is irrelevant but it won't feel like this yeah and i was sobbing so loud in my own ears with my earplugs in and trying to fall asleep that i didn't hear that my roommates could hear me and like kept trying to like kind of knock on the door gently like are you okay do you need us like they were being so kind and they ended up calling over Teresa, who we have on a couple episodes from now and she (laughs) she basically was just like has anyone just opened the door and like they came in and scared the shit out of me because i was like oh my god i didn't know anybody could hear me like i didn't i don't know what kind of soundproof door i thought i had like you lived in (laughs) it was earplugs yeah exactly i was like i was was just in my own head i was like i didn't think i was weeping that loudly but oh man i judged myself for a long time about that which now it's just kind of a giggle that it's like ashley's always like good luck getting rid of me and like you can do whatever you need to do like stop being so hard on yourself but it is it's a shocking and difficult thing to judge yourself about grief like you're again barring self-harm which if you're in that space please like ask for resources if you don't know them yourself or like reach out because it's hard but beyond that like however you feel is how you feel yeah and yet we're so hard on ourselves about it i think it's also the culture too it's kind of like well you get your you know few weeks of dealing with it where people Mm. will write you cards and send you flowers and remember and then eventually people forget and you should get on with it yeah right you know that's kind of you know unsaid but that is how it feels a lot of the time is like well you know our attention spans only a couple weeks so yours should be two yeah and it's hard it's hard i think it's i think it's impossible not to judge yourself for the way you grieve because it just comes out in so many different ways like you know that thing whatever it is where it's like all these stages of grief and it's like so messy so much messier than that so much more than that yeah. And so much like, oh, why did I just lash out irrationally at that person? It's probably <laughs> because I'm not okay. 
Yeah. And I also have the moment where I'm sometimes I judge myself. I'm like, am I being extra that like I do yeah. celebrate their birthdays and like my mom's birthday is coming up in a couple days and like I'll do something. I always do something to honor her on it. Yeah. And so I still will, even though usually just like on my own birthday, like, I usually travel or like try and do something that it's like, even if it's a new museum or a new experience of something, like I try to do something. But I judge that too, that I'm just like, oh, should I, should I already have stopped thinking about these things? Which I've been in therapy enough to know the answer is no like it's fine yeah this like is a thing but it, it's amazing how quickly our like how hard we are on ourselves when we're already going through something profoundly difficult yeah it is amazing how hard we are on ourselves I, I hope if anyone's listening to this and you're dealing with new grief or old grief just know that it's it's not clean it's yeah. not easy it's messy and it's it comes really out messy. in so many different ways it comes out in ways where you don't even realize it's grief yeah so try to give yourself a little bit of a leeway yeah one of my friends she's going through a really rough time right now mm -hmm. and I told her I was like if you separate yourself from what's happening to you right now like if you were to write down everything that's going on in your life because she's a lot of shit going on in her life right now that's that's not easy mm -hmm. and you looked at that paper what allowances would you give that person mm. my guess is it would be a lot more than you're giving yourself yeah that's what i did for myself honestly like i looked at myself like if i looked at myself on paper i was like she needs help so i was <laughs> like put yourself on paper if it seems like it's a lot and if it was someone else if it was a friend of yours going mm -hmm. through the same things what would you expect them to be doing and give yourself that much grace and that much that much leeway and acceptance yes and people don't do that for themselves but i'm like separate yourself from it for a second and you'll see okay no i actually I, my basket is full and i and i'm i'm having a hard time carrying it yeah definitely well said all right so this is going to be a two-part episode by the way because you know we got six more to get after after this one but yeah. the last one for today is on the sixth, sixth day of grief, miss my bereavement gave to me six emotionally adoptive parents. I know you got some of those. Oh, I have so many. I like to joke. Every guy I've ever dated, I take your mom. Right? <laughs> She's mine. Every every guy I've dated, their mom tends to like me a little bit more than them. <laughs> it's it's one of those things I think with mothers. Yeah. And and with dads too, I think, mm -hmm. but mainly with moms that I've experienced, you know, I tell their child I don't have parents. That child then goes to their mother and goes, did you know Clarissa is an orphan? That mother then goes, invite her over to the house. Make her some sandwiches. What does she need? Does she need some help? Does she need some money? Let, like, give her some, and, like, literally, everybody's parents, as soon as they found out, like, their mothers, I remember even, because I was in track in high school, going into the mm -hmm. stands and finding all the track moms and being like, Tebow, yes, here's an antihistamine. Do you need a snack? Do you want a granola bar? What do you need? We're here for you. We have we have everything you need. Water bottle? Vitamin water? What do you need? And like, that's kind of how I've had so many, even if it was just for a moment, like my old fourth grade teacher, I remember Miss, um, I think her name was Miss Castanoli. I ran into her randomly in high school, like walking on the street. She's my fourth grade teacher. Oh, I've been thinking about you. How are you? Oh my goodness. How are you getting home? Aww. You know what? Call me. Here's my number. Call me whenever you want to ride home. I called her all the time. She yeah. gave me rides home for like a year. <laughs> it was really, really nice. Oh my gosh. That's so sweet. I do feel like it's that, we've talked about it before. It's that strange grace that comes from something profoundly difficult 
difficult and really sad and these losses and good people do step up and fill in spaces and again like you said that hole will be there forever it's not the same necessarily but it definitely it feels so good and it feels so full of love and like my mom had three sisters so I have three three mamas (laughs) who are like are always looking out for me like that but my mom also had her bridge club which sounds very funny because it sounds like it's just a thing that people did and they loved playing although I truly maintain that these women ate more snacks and chatted more than they ever actually yeah, they played bridge like i know they played real. no they did I, they just it was so fun I, I there's such a great group of women to like have experienced growing up but they again were all little mamas like i got emails about like same thing like do you need money for a plane ticket home yeah. like what is the thing like and before i even got home my mom's dear friend nancy who we stayed at her house when my mom passed because she's like you're not staying in that house alone right. your brother and you like you'll stay at our house and i think i've talked about her many times before even earlier in this podcast but like one of her sons used to babysit me like and her daughter and like her youngest son is my brother's best friend like i just we spent we used to live right across the street from that like we spent our lives together and she loves me so much and i love her so much and she definitely took a couple of the bridge ladies and they went over and they actually cleaned up after they took my mom out because they were like it's really difficult. Some of them had lost their own parents. Again, they're older, yeah. but still, they were like, it's such a difficult and strange thing to see the last dishes yeah. they ate off of. Or to like, yeah, this thing. So like, they cleaned yeah. up. And again, the, like those things where somebody is so specifically and kindly caring for right. you, that it's like, I didn't have to make food that entire time. She like, she mommed us. She was like, okay, you're staying in this room. Yeah. Adam, you're staying in that room. I didn't have to deal with anything other than like, showing yeah. up. You know, like, she still was such a beautiful mom figure and to this day is like I I love her so dearly it's like such a it's such a gift to get these adoptive parents and family who people really do take you in as much as there's the people who can't talk about grief there is the opposite the people who are like hey how do I how do I help you how can I support you especially I found too like some of the emotionally adoptive parents I've had have lost parents at a young age themselves Mm -hmm. like I know there was a few Mm -hmm. women when I was younger who I learned later why they were so open and and, and inclusive of me was because they had lost their mother when they Mm. were 10 or something. So I hope that I can do that for somebody someday because I know I will be that person. I agree. Anytime I meet a kid like that, I'm like, come in, take whatever you want. I will love you forever. Don't matter. That's how I feel about it. What an amazing community to be creating as well. All right. We're going to split this up into six and six. So that's our top six for now. We've got six left to do in the next episode, but we do have a little bit of time for a round of... Could you just not? Could you just not? You want to go first this time or you want me to go first? I can go first. Oh, I like that she came ready ready to play. All right. All right. Here is Clarissa's Could You Just Not. Could You Just Not. Forget to put your address in the book at the funeral. You know, that one that's at the entrance where you're supposed to write down your name to say that you were there and put your address. Listen, I don't know where you live, but I want to say thank you. And if you don't put your address in, I'm never going to find you again. So please do me the courtesy of letting me know where you stay at. That's a good one. I like that a lot. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I'm going to switch mine then. I'm going to I'm gonna piggyback off that and say, my could you just not is, could you just not forget to label your casserole dish? <laughs> 
if you want it back because what you have done is so kind and wonderful yeah. and you know i know i'm living in a small town so it's like people want their stuff back and are using real dishes you're not just getting a throwaway dish and you know when you're grieving first of all everyone's very hungry when you're grieving but you're also very yeah. tired so it's really great that you brought this yeah. casserole thank you but i don't have the bandwidth or the ability to figure out whose dish was whose and also it makes me a little sad because like my mom would have known yeah, whose it was that's true <laughs> And it's like, even if you're in a small town, right, you can't just yell out the window, yeah. who brought over the glass china yeah. with the the snowflake design on the top? It came with a lid. Please let me know. Yeah, exactly. Like, And I was like, and what if you both have it? Yeah. We don't know. And Good so at Sears. that same, um, yeah, right. That same wonderful human, Nancy, like she, she had like a steno pad next to mm. the door that she like kept track of stuff for us. Oh, and nice. I was like, thank you, Mama Nancy, for figuring this out. You've been there before. So that like... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Right? Those things. I was like, what a mom thing to do. So could you just please, like, I don't care if it's tape. I don't care if it's whatever. Just like, yeah, yeah. just let us know so we can get it back to you because we want to do that. And also send a thank yeah. you card with it. So if your address is in the book from the we'll funeral, to send then I can the tandem do it. casserole dish with a letter. <laughs> with a And if not, letter. you will oh, never Clarissa. see it again. I will break that <laughs> shit and pretend like I never got it. <laughs> No, I'll just take it back to LA. You yeah. just won't even know. <laughs> I'll keep it forever and you can't say anything. Listen, I'm grieving. This. Give me your yeah, casserole exactly. dish. Don't be mad at me. That's a very nice Pyrex. Do you know how much they would charge at a store here for that? <laughs> oh, Clarissa, those first six. Yes, I'm proud of too. us. We really got yes. through it. We have six more to do. Six more to do, which will be the episode for the new year. But for now, we are wishing a very yeah. happy holidays. Happy holidays. A very kind holiday. Happy holiday. Be nice to yourself. Happy holidays. bells keep ringing. Happy holidays. Happy grief mess to you. Bye. Abandonment Issues is an original podcast from the brain of Sarah Beth Bassick. It is created and produced by Clarissa Tebow and Sarah Beth Bassick. Sound design by Sarah Beth Bassick. Our incredible theme music is by the brilliant Daniel Hart.